The theme for 2023 has been taking new ground. And I'm thinking we are now just two months away from the end of 2023. And I wonder how many of us have taken new ground this year. And I'm wondering what that new ground might look like. Maybe it's in your health, maybe it's in your family, maybe it's in your finances, maybe it's in your job. Maybe you just can believe God to take new ground, you're gonna buy a home. What does that new ground look like? Because I really feel like we need to make sure that we actually finish the year as good as we started it. And so I wanna give you what I think that looks like from scripture, the scripture the Lord gave me with that theme. And it's found in Exodus 23. And this is where God promised Israel that he would give them the promised land, a land that flows with milk and honey, not milk and honeys, milk and honey. And so they're going into this promised land and this is what the Lord says. And I want you to hear this because I want you to hear what I think taking new ground looks like. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into, into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. Isn't that a great promise? I, isn't that a great promise? And I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive out the Hittites, the Canaanites, the Parasites, the Hittites out of your way. But listen to what God says, but I will not drive them all out in a single year because the land will become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you to handle. Listen to what God says, little by little, I will drive them out before you until, this is the key verse, you have increased enough to take possession of the land. There's a joke I used to say, I'm not so sure people really laughed at it, but there's a joke I used to say, it's not hard to give some people a big business, a small business rather, um, just give them a big one and wait, because everything's gonna come back to you, to your inner capacity, yep. amen? Matter of fact, the Bible puts it this way, an inheritance gained too quickly can bring a person's life to ruins. If you actually look at people who won the lottery, tens of millions and hundreds of millions of dollars, and you do a study of their life five years later, they are worse off five years later than before they ever won the lottery or when they won the lottery. And the reason for that is everything will come back to your inner capacity. Amen. And so here's God saying, I'm not going to give it to you in a single year. And the reason why he wouldn't do it is he didn't want the land to become desolate. He didn't want wild beasts to overtake her to be too numerous. He wouldn't give it to, he was, he was gonna fight for them, but he wasn't gonna give it to them in a single year. He was gonna wait until they had increased enough to handle the peace he gave him. And when they handle that, and that's sustainable, then he'll give them more. So you can grow into all that God has for you, amen? So God's plan is little by little. So I'm thinking in areas that I think we should be believing God to take new ground in, promised land. In our finances, I'm thinking in our family. Can anybody say amen to that? I think in our faith, what are we, are we taking new ground in our faith? Or are we just living out our life like everything's okay? What are you believing God for in your future? In your fitness, there should be some new ground in your health and in your business, wouldn't you agree? 
So I just thought, how do we take new ground? We still have two months before this year's out. And I actually wrote the first way I believe we will actually effectively take new ground, knowing how God works. It's all there. God will fight for you. He'll send in the hornets. He will cause confusion on your enemy. He will make them turn their backs. He wants to give you the promised land, but he can't give it to you all at once until you've increased enough to handle what he has given you, being faithful where you are. So here's the first way I believe we take new ground, by passing God's tests. How many know God tests us? And I don't mean he tests us so that we would fail. He tests us so that we might be proven. In a car, you'll see that there is safety glass in a car and that glass has been tested. So when it's broken and it's shattered, it crumbles in the pieces, not becomes jagged, razor sharp edges that will cut you and add more injury to the accident you've had. The glass has been safety tested. And I actually think God has a way of testing us. So look at me, look at this now. I wanna show you what I believe God tests look like. Genesis 39, and here is God testing Joseph with this dream. One day the sun and the moon will all bow to you. And the ultimate fulfillment of the dream is Joseph became the second most powerful man in the world. Only the Pharaoh was above him. And so Joseph had this dream that this would happen, but then God put him through the test of his family rejecting him, put him through the test of being in a well, and then the test of being sold off as a slave, and then the test of being put in the prison, none of which, any of it, was deserving to him or for him. And yet God used those things to test him. And look what the Bible says in Genesis 39. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. This is while he's a slave. He's done nothing wrong except have a dream. And his brothers sold him off into slavery. And when his master saw the Lord was with him and the Lord had given him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted everything to his care, everything that he owned. From that time, He put him in charge of the house to all that he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian. Why? Because of Joseph. Watch this. The blessing of the Lord, I love this, was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Wherever the guy went, he was blessed because of Joseph. In the house, at home, and at work. How many want that kind of blessing, not just in your home, but at work and all that you do? So Potiphar, yeah, come on, give the Lord a hand. So if you got, you figured that out, this man's bringing blessing into my life. He's a slave. Are you hearing me? But boy, he's good for me in my house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, watch this, he did not concern himself with anything except for the food he ate. Wow. Joseph is a slave. And the Bible tells us in Luke that if we cannot be faithful with someone else's, how how can God trust us with true riches? 
How how can God provide for us what he wants to give for us if we haven't passed the test of being faithful in someone else's? And here is Joseph being faithful to someone who doesn't even deserve this faithfulness. But Joseph, you can't keep a man with a dream down. And he's got this idea that the Lord has blessed me and right now I'm a slave, but one day I've got a promised land. And wherever I am, I'm going to be the very best person I can be. That's passing God's test. Look what happens because now he's thrown in prison because this is the before the movie Desperate Housewives. Part of his wife was wanting to have sex in the city with Joseph. And so she finds Joseph attractive because that anointing, that favor of God, everything about him. So she goes, come on, Joe, let's go. And Joe says, I'm out of here. See, you wouldn't want to be here. And she's humiliated and embarrassed. She grabs his cloak and says to her husband, out of rejection of Joseph's rejection, she goes, he tried to rape me. Well, Potiphar was mad. You don't touch my wife. I've, I've left you in charge of everything, but I didn't leave you in charge of her. And he throws Joseph in jail. So here's Joseph in jail. Look what the Bible says. That while Joseph was in jail, Genesis 39, verse 20, while he was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. And he showed kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done in the prison. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. That's a test. Can you be faithful where you are? Don't be a victim. Nobody knows (laughs) the trouble I've seen. Oh, if only my boss would do this. If only the government would do this. And we're always looking to try to explain and justify. I've said this many times. If you are flipping burgers at McDonald's, the best thing you can do is be the best burger flipper there ever flipping existed and flip burgers for the glory of God and God will flip and well promote you. There are tests in life. Are we faithful in someone else's so that God can give us a Matter of fact, you look at this in Scripture. David was looking after the sheep when he was anointed to be king. He wasn't sitting there going, I want to be king one day. He was just looking after the sheep. His dad said, look after the sheep. David goes, I'll look after the sheep. He fought a lion, he fought a bear. Faithful in someone else's. Amen? And then God finds him and says, you'll be the new king. Matter of fact, Saul, the guy that was before David, do you know what he was doing? He actually, the best thing to do, if you want to get a job done, find somebody who's already too busy. Because you try and get someone who's got nothing to do, they've got no momentum in their life. But you find someone who's working and got mojo. So, so he's Saul. He's looking for his father's donkeys. He was doing something. Think about Peter. He was fishing. Think about Dave, De, uh, Daniel. He was faithful to God, even when there was immense pressure not to be. 
Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were faithful in where they were. Think about Esther. Oh my gosh, Esther. Think of, she put her life on the line to save the people of Israel. All she had to do was just be quiet and save herself. And, and, but she said, no, if I die, I die. And I'm going to risk going into have an audience with the king without his permission, without his request. And, and she found favor in the eyes of the king. Can I encourage us? We've got to be faithful where we are to take that promised land. So here's a question I've got for you. Can you be faithful when no one's watching? Because the Bible tells me that both Potiphar and the prison warden paid no attention to anything Joseph did. I want to show you what this promise looks like in the Old Testament where God tests Abraham. This is one of the heaviest tests in the Bible. It says in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, Later God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there on a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Early the next morning. Did you hear that? Not God, I'll pray about it. Not God, let me give me a month. Early the next morning. Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took his two servants and his son Isaac. He cut the wood and the burnt offering, set out to the place that God told him to go. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place at a distance. He said to his servants, watch this, stay here with the donkey while the boy and I go over there. We, watch, will worship and then we will come back. He's going to slay his son. Did you see it? I just lost my spot. And we will come back. And Abraham took the word, the burnt offering, placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went on together, and Isaac spoke up. Can you imagine this? He says, Father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire is here, the wood is here, Isaac said. <laughs> But where's the offering? And the Lord said, Abraham said, the Lord will provide. Actually, the answer to that question is, kid, you're it. <laughs> Come on, somebody. The Lord will provide. And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. And then it says, he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But then an angel of the Lord called out, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand to the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now, God says, I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. God tested him. I wonder maybe, are we going to pass God's test? And that thing that God gave us, he's now going to say, put it on the altar. Would you put it on there? There's only one problem. The Bible says we're to present ourselves as living sacrifices. You know the problem with that? Living sacrifices can crawl off the altar. We got a place. I wonder what God's testing us with. I wonder what that which God blessed us, has that become more important to us than the one who blessed us? 
I wonder if that gets in the, I wonder whether there's a test that goes on that we need to pass to get into the blessing of God. Can anybody say amen? So God tested him. Look, let me show you the origin of this because this is important because when Abraham first got this promise, it's all found in Genesis 12, you can read it. But I wanna go to Genesis 15 where God makes a covenant with Abram, not Abraham yet, Abram. And look what it says in verse five. And it says, he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the scars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said, so shall your offspring be. And Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur and the Chaldeans to give you the land to take possession of it. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, watch, this is the key. This is called the Abrahamic covenant. This is a big deal. And the Lord said, bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. And Abraham brought all these things to him and cut them into two and arranged the halves of the carcasses opposite each other. I want you to picture it. He's got a heifer and he cuts it in half and he puts one half of it on this side and the other half on this side. And then there's a whole process of this covenant where you walk through it and the blood that's there. And God is making a covenant with Abram that I will make you the father of many nations. You'll have a son through your offspring. It'll be your wife and it'll be out of your loins that you have a son. You got this? God's making a covenant. God's going, I'll do everything. But look what the Bible says here. I think this is interesting. And it says, but of the birds, he didn't cut in half. Verse 11, but birds of prey, the Bible says ravens, some even say vultures, came down on the carcasses. But Abraham, or Abraham, drove them away. I want you to picture, here is a carcass, half on this side, the other half of the same animal on this side. And now these vultures are coming and picking and trying to eat off the carcass and feed off the, which makes sense. That's what birds do. But Abraham knew that God had made a promise, but he was not gonna let anything take away or diminish or distract him from the promise God gave him. And he kept chasing away the birds. When you read that, it's talking about how sometimes when God makes you a promise about the promised land, you can't allow the enemy to come in and pick away at the promise God gave you and diminish the promise God gave you. Come on, some of you gotta chase away some birds. God's given you a promise and all these thoughts are coming into your mind. Well, that doesn't make sense. And the natural, that doesn't add up. If God promised it, he will do it. All you and I gotta do is chase away the birds. Well, what about the woman with the alabaster oil who poured out what was considered to be one to three years worth of wages, the value of this perfume on the feet of Jesus. And what was she showing? She was showing she loved him, Jesus, more than anything or anyone. Or what about this one, the widow? And the Bible says in Luke 21, verse one, Jesus looked up and he saw the rich putting in their offerings. 
into the temple treasury. Isn't it interesting that God sees what we give? And not only does God see what we give, but he evaluates what we give. So much so that he also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I said to you, Jesus says, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put all she had to live on. I wonder if God tests us. I wonder, do we pass the God test? I wonder when God is speaking to you and I about what it is that he might want us to be willing to put on the altar. Can anybody say amen? Here's the second thought. First thought is we got to pass the God test and God will test you. But the second one is as important as the first. I actually think we need to make sure that we keep thinking big. We live in a world that's got a lot of doom and gloom. And we live in a world that says, batten down the hatches. We live in a world that says, be careful, be cautious, be safe. Right now, there's so much uncertainty out there with the global economic world and what's happening geopolitically that if we're not careful, we can diminish down and ravens can pick at our promised land. Come on, somebody. Now's not a day to be taken doing anything too risky. And I'm just thinking about this scripture that God has been burning in my heart that I actually feel like is something that is not just for today, but something about the future of the mission and the vision of Wave Church. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for this? Psalm 2 verse 8. Look what the Bible says. Ask of me, says the Lord. Do we have it? Ask of me, says the Lord, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. There's a promised land. It seems to me Russia wants Ukraine. China wants Taiwan. Middle East, let's... Dear God, where do we start with that conflict and that confusion? People want to wipe Israel off the face of the earth from the river to the sea. And they want to eliminate God's people. Amen. And there'll always be conflict in the Middle East until Jesus comes back again. Amen. And there'll always be confusion. It's, this is Abrahamic covenant. This is where it all started when God put Abram there. That place where Abraham made that altar is the very place where the Holy of Holies is. It's where the Dome of the Rock sits on top of the Abrahamic covenant and promise, the mercy seat of God. There's so much history to that. No wonder there's conflict. But you look around the world and it seems to me all these different nations want other nations. And yet God says, the only people I'll give nations to is the church. But it seems to me the church is the only people that don't want it. And God's going to ask of me and I'll give you nations, nations, nations. And all of us are praying, God, help me get a good parking spot out in the front of the mall. I think we've got to pray bigger prayers. I think we've got to realize that God's got a promised land for us. And the Bible says, go into all the world, the world, the world. Go into all the world and make disciples. Church, I'm here to tell you, we have got to think bigger. 
Some Christians, their brain is on the pill. They haven't given birth to a new idea in years. Ask of me. But look what James says about our asking. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Your desire, you desire rather, but you do not have. How many know that feeling? So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you don't ask God. We have not because we... And when you do ask, you don't receive. Why? Says James, because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on yourself. Ask of me, says the Lord, and I'll give you nations, nations. We don't have, because we ask what wrong motives, wrong agendas. God wants to give us nations. And we're asking for so much less. Listen to what Jesus said, Matthew 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find it. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. Listen to Jesus one more time in Luke chapter 18. I love this one. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God or cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. I want you to catch the language. She kept coming. He kept not caring. I don't care. I don't fear God. And I sure as heck don't care about you. I don't care what you think. I don't care how innocent you are. I don't care how wronged you be. I don't care. She kept coming. And then the Bible says, for some time he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see to it that she gets justice. Why? So she won't eventually come back and attack me. He neither feared God or cared what people think about him, but he cared about himself. And the only way he can get this woman off his back is to give her what was rightfully hers, not because he cared about her, but because he cared about himself. Come on, somebody. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? who carry out to him day, who cry out rather, to him day and night. Will he, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see to it that they get justice and quickly. Come on. Come on. 
What's he saying? Ask and go on asking. Think big thoughts. Pray big prayers. Ask of me, says the Lord, and I will give you nations. I think we think too small. I actually feel like before this year's out as a church, we should take new ground. Can you say amen? I've really got in my heart for Myanmar. I got a phone call from a good friend of mine not not that long ago. And he asked me, could we help? We'll have a chat with him in just a moment. I think about Israel. Now we're not in Israel because of all the most recent topical cultural relevance. We've been in Israel for 25 years. Right, Tobe, Peggy? We've been involved in that country for many, many decades. In Africa, we've been involved in Africa. I want to talk to you about something that God's stirring my heart as our future legacy plans in Africa. There's some things stirring right now that I am deeply moved and deeply burdened for. But all this will be doing through working through local church. Amen. Uh, matter of fact, where's my phone? Who's got my phone? Thanks, John. I want to pull up a scripture here that I was just thinking about um, in context of what we're doing here. And I got to get this out here. James, I love James. How many love the book of James? I actually, at breakfast this morning, took a photo of this because I was thinking about it. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Watch. To look after the orphans and the widows and their distress. And watch this, and to keep oneself, this is James 1.27, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Interesting that that verse, it almost sounds like, well, to keep, to be pure religion that God accepts is we've got to keep ourselves pure, not get polluted. And we think about that like we don't sin, we're not lustful, but listen to what the verse's context is about. That pure religion is this, to look after widows and orphans in their distress. And the way in which we do that is by the way in which we are not polluted by the world is when we start looking after the widows and the orphans in distress. And that's how we actually keep ourselves from getting polluted. So this is a no pollution zone. Amen. We're going to make sure without what we do in our church that we're doing that. I've also loved what we do in in Russia. And we we help those children that no one else would even give the time of day to. But we send people in to love on these kids and show them the love of God. Children who've been rejected, they are the rejected of the rejected. They're on the bottom of the scale of caring for anyone. And Russia already has its own challenges caring. How many are glad we're a part of that? So by the end of this year, as we do every year with Legacy, we always have certain commitments we make. And this year, as we've made commitments, starting with our campus enhancements and all that we do with our facilities, and we have beautiful facilities in all of our campuses. How many thank God for the home that God's given us? And that's, that's, a, that's a big commitment we make to make sure we keep doing the church well. You shall be witnesses first in Jerusalem. If it's not working at home, don't take it anywhere else. Amen? So that's first. And then it goes in Judea, Samaria, and then the outermost parts of the earth. So we're involved in that, but we're also involved with church planning. We're also involved in partnering with people who are doing great things for God. Amen? 
But what we're believing God for, and about the same last year, I think, Josh, similar amount of money every year, the last two months, is about $700,000 that we're believing God for. Well, we're right there again. Who's going to believe God to see the $700,000 to come in to do all the things that we're committed to? You believe him with me? So that's the December, the first week of December. We're going to have our end of year offering. We're asking everybody, maybe God's testing you. Maybe God's trying to get you to think bigger. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. And so that's what we're going to believe God for. To be honest with you, I'm stirred for more. I kind of feel like $700,000 ought to be the, should be a no-brainer. I'm actually believing in my heart we're going to see a million dollars come in in these last two months. Who would like to add your faith to my faith? Praise the Lord, three people. Who would like to add your faith? I just believe we're gonna take some new ground. And so, you know, just, just last Sunday, I was up in Norfolk with Jared, and I love being there because I had the opportunity to preach there. I don't ever preach in Norfolk. If I'm preaching anywhere, it's here. And so, and then wherever else the Lord would have me to go. But Jared told this story about a guy that he'd been praying for. His name, I wrote it down, is Justin Battle. And years ago, when we built this building, which is 2008, I think we opened this building. So we built it in 2007. We all wrote the names. How many remember this? Of people we're believing God for people to get saved in. Jared wrote this name, Justin Battle. And I don't know which is first. Maybe you might help me out here, Josh. I should have asked you before I preached this. But we also went down the seaboard road and we dug a trench and we had seed bags and we all wrote down on a piece of paper people's names we were believing God for to get saved. And do you know whose name Jared wrote? Justin Battle. Last Sunday, there he is. Come on, church. Let's ask God for salvations. Let's ask God for miracles. Let's ask God for breakthrough. Come on, somebody. Here's the good news. Across Wave Church, from this time this year to this time last year, collectively our campuses have increased in size by 16%. And I'm going, God, that's great. But God... There's more, and I've got it in my heart for these next five years for Wave Legacy, something of new ground, something to take us to a whole nother level. This year, Shan and I, it's been a celebration year for us. This year, we both celebrate our 60th birthday. I know what you're all thinking. We do not look old enough. And it's so good to have my wife in service with me on a Sunday. We've been like ships in the night on weekends. We've been all over the place. But let me tell you, this year, this month, we celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary. This year, the end of this year, we celebrate our 25th year of pastoring what we now know as Wave Church. I have more faith now for our future than any time I've been here in our past. I am convinced that God wants to do something significant in this next season. And I'm saying, church, let's think big. Let's pass the God test. Ephesians 3, under him who was able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to the power that works within us. Singers, musicians, come on back. Isaiah 54, watch this one. Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child, 
burst into song, shout for joy, you who was never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than her who has a husband, declares the Lord. Come on, sing in the dryness, sing in the barrenness, sing in the emptiness, sing in the darkness. Come on, sing. God's going to give you a song. Enlarge the place of your tent. Strength, stretch your curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will break out on the light, on the right and the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desert cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will get, you will forget the shame of a youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. Can anybody say amen to that? Come on, wait, church. Are we going to think big? I actually feel like we're going to see Legacy go to a whole nother level with communication, media, the nations. Come on, somebody. Anybody say amen? amen? The mission and the vision, it's not Steve's vision, I promise you. Oh, I promise, this would be so much easier. I don't mean easier. It's just that when you're actually doing God's vision, you can't do it by yourself. You can't do it without God. God has kept me on my knees and I will stay in that posture. But I'm wanting to make sure if God's called me to be the pastor of Wade Church, which he has, and God's speaking to me about the mission and the vision, I'm asking you, church, come on, let's pass these God tests. Come on, somebody. Let's think big. Don't be ruled by what's happening in the world. Can I say to somebody, chase away the ravens? Come on, somebody here, you need to hear it. Chase the ravens away. Don't let the ravens diminish the promise that God made you. God will make you the father of many nations. God will provide. God will bless you. I love Abraham because the Bible says he even trusted that God could raise his son from the dead. He was believing for resurrection life. No wonder Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. I got got a friend. His name is uh, Ross Winchester. I think he's on the... Zoom call right now. We're going to go over to him right now if we're ready. See if we can connect up with him. Are you there, Ross? Do we have Ross? Can you hear me? Fantastic. Good to see you, my friend. I want to introduce you to our church, Ross. It's so good. You are right now. What country are you in right now as we speak? We're in northern Thailand at the moment. That's where we base and we do a lot of our work across the border into Myanmar, (laughs) formerly called Burma. And you rang me about, um, let me see now, September. And yes, it was I did. Middle to late September. We've known each other for a long time, Ross, you and I. And uh, you said you were down. You were, you were destroyed. And I said, Ross, you don't sound good. What's wrong? And you told me that you had just been and had heard the, the, just the tragedy that's happening in Mima. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, it's, it's horrific what's going on and it's um, what's happening. You've got the Karen, the Kareni people, other people of other minority groups there. They're just getting bombed into oblivion by the Burmese government, the MiGs that are flying over, um, dropping bombs on villages, burning their rice fields and they're forced to run into the jungle and, and live there, thousands of them. Uh, then the ground troops come in and they just fire indiscriminately men, women, children, raping women, raping children, 
torturing. It's just horrific. It's it's demonic. It's a war zone, but yep. it's more than that. It's a, it's a spiritual war zone. So we just do what we can do with what we have, and sometimes we run out. And I I, I got a message about a situation, and and I was just broken uh, because we we given away our last dollar basically uh, to help where we could. And so that's when I called you, Pastor Steve. Mm. And I said, well, Ross, what can we do? Obviously we can pray, but Ross, what can we do? He said, well, Steve, this is what he said. If you give me a hundred dollars, I can feed someone. If you give me a thousand dollars, I can feed more than someone. Whatever is in your heart to do. I said, Ross, we'll embrace it with legacy this year. Cause this verse has been in my spirit. Ask of me. And I'll give you nations. We all can't go to where Ross goes, but we can help. And so last month, remember church, we did an offering, took an offering. Remember that? And I said, well, Ross, if $100 will feed someone, and Ross goes in, this food goes in. Matter of fact, just being really open and honest with you, he's already got this money. As soon as we took it in October, we gave him the check. And he's already sending us photos. You'll see him out in all the lobby and all the auditoriums of bags of rice. It's not just ordinary rice. There's some super protein rice, correct, Ross? Yeah, nutrients, protein, yeah. Not just to fill their bellies, but also to give them a healthy diet. And, and you're a missionary. You're serving God. You're helping these families. You are finding them. They're displaced. And we're bringing this food in on boats. We're bringing it in. And there's so many photos out there. There's a video I was supposed to show, and I forgot. I apologize, team. We were supposed to show the video first. But to be honest with you, I'll be so excited to have Ross come in live. I just forgot to show the video. So I apologize to the team. We'll post that video. But Ross, I want to do something today. I want to, on behalf of Wave Legacy, if we have our check here, we want to present to you a check. We're going to spin that around. We took an offering and we're able to give you $15,000 to help feed. Wow. That is incredible. Thank you so much, Pastor Steve. What, what would that do, Ross? What would, how would that help? Well, that, that will help incredibly. These people are in, in such desperate situations. Just a few days ago, we were able to, with your, the funds that were given, we were able to take supplies across the river into Burma and, and some of the villages there uh, that had been devastated, they, they walked, 40 of them from one village, men, women, children, they walked for 12 hours through pretty rough terrain just to come there to be able to get that that food. So it's blessed so many. And um, what you've given there, the gifts that you've given, literally are making the difference between life and death for many, many people. So we're able to help so many people that really are in desperate straits at the moment. So thank you, Pastor Steve wow. and Wave Church. We really appreciate you guys. I mean, 40 people walking 14 well, hours because they heard there's a missionary who's got food because a church took an offering and we're feeding them. Listen, we get frustrated when we're driving the Walmart to go shopping and there's traffic. The, these families, life and death, their survival, they were walking 14 hours to get to the food source. And I want to say, Wave Church, thank you for your faithfulness. And Ross, thank you, my friend, for being the missionary. We can't go there, but you can. And you are, you are helping us ask God for the nations. We honour you, we salute you, and we will be praying for you as a church. You are in our hearts and you're in our prayers. Thank you so much, Pastor C. Thank you, Wave Church. Love you guys. God bless you. 
Come on, give it up for Ross. Ask of me, says the Lord, and I will give you the nations. This is pure religion, that you actually look after the widow and the orphan. And how you do that, when you do that, you're keeping yourself from being polluted for just caring about you. Amen? And making life about you.